Hours and hours of endless debate fills the conversations of fans surrounding the hypothetical and totally theoretical boundaries of their respective fandoms. And despite having a tight game system to negate many of those arguments, Magic is no different. So, after many a year playing this game, what arbitrary nonsense are we still musing over? Welcome to Magic the Flavoring, the Magic the Gathering podcast, where we talk about all things magic, flavor design, and lore. I'm your host, Andy Mann. Hello, this is Nathan Cancel. And today, we are going to be doing something which we haven't done since episode 21, um, and that is talk about hypotheticals. We're basically just going to be talking absolute shit and nonsense today, because this is the first week back after the UK one-month lockdown that we've recently had, and Nathan and I have been working our asses off trying to recoup some money and uh yeah it's just been all go and like it's been very jarring going from a month of doing nothing into like a week of working solidly right yeah christmas time is here and there was very little time to prepare for it <laughs> yeah exactly so i thought you know what i've i mean we we waffle and we do hypotheticals like almost every episode because that's just two magic nerds talking about magic but i really loved uh some of our earlier episodes where we were still trying to find out where we wanted this podcast to go and what we wanted to do and some of the episodes were just us literally going Oh, who would win in a fight? This person or this person? Although, actually, no, I say that. When we last did this, I came up with questions like, because we were both coming up with questions, I came up with questions like, oh, what plane in the multiverse has the best pubs to go to? And then you brought out questions like, which creature type has the most existential existence or like who's in the most pain as like a creature? And I'm like, like, you went really (laughs) dark with it. Really weird. Is this why I wasn't allowed to make up any questions for the episode? Well, no, I think because we did this so last minute, I was like, oh, do you know, what? I'll just pull out some questions. It's only if you haven't, as a listener at home, if you've not listened to uh, some of our early episodes, specifically episode twenty-one, um, do go listen to it because it's a real little, little look into Nathan's psyche and how he looks at magic. Hey, look, um, I've got many sides for myself. Okay, that was just that was just one flex that week. I might have to go and look back in the diary and see what was happening. Maybe maybe things maybe things weren't going so well for cancel that week. Yeah, maybe you were having <laughs> you maybe you were having a bad week and you were like, oh, which goblin deserves to die the most? You know. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh no, that's a goblin. So goblin deserves death. They find it themselves naturally. It's, it's, it's yeah, just that's biology. <laughs> They're magic oh, little fireworks aren't they um so what i've done is i've actually i've got four questions here um two of them are ones where i did p- uh, twitter polls because hypotheticals and kind of multiple choice like well who does this best or where would you rather go is something that we put out on our twitter quite a lot because it's kind of fun just to see people's opinions on this kind of stuff and because we don't often wrap whole podcast episodes around these kinds of questions so two of them are from our twitter because i actually want to see what you specifically think about it and maybe even if you answered on the twitter poll nathan because it's it's me that usually forces these things on people even if you voted on them i wonder if your answer is still the same um and then we have one mystery question and then a question from one of our regular uh, listeners and interactors um so yeah so there's only four questions we just gonna have a chill old time um before we start i want to do a quick shout out um i received a very special mail day today uh yesterday which you were in on because um it was a friend of mine from an old work uh that i used to do at z events which was a immersive zombie event i used to work at and uh it was a, a dude there called john who me and a few of the others taught how to play magic along with a couple of other people so we could have people to play with magic at work um because as if our job wasn't busy enough at the time um and i haven't spoken to him in a couple of years 
And then he messaged uh, my wife, Holly, who then messaged you to make sure it was all going to work because it was about John wanting to send me a couple of cards as kind of like a, oh, hey, like, I like remember when you guys used to sort of like play magic and you guys taught me. And he discovered this podcast, Magic the Flavoring, by accident because he didn't know that I was doing this podcast and he was rifling through all the podcasts on Spotify and he found our podcast on a whim, started playing it, heard my voice and your voice coming out of the speakers and was like, oh, this dude like played magic with me like three or four years ago. And uh, yeah, he sent me a couple of cards. He sent me etched foils of Halana and Elena and he sent me an etched foil Queen Marchesa because those are the cards that we were talking about last time we were talking about Commander Legends. Um, and I had no idea. And I was very grateful. But you you knew about it. Like Holly was checking with you that I didn't already have those cards, right? Yeah, well, I knew about the Halana and Elena and I'm glad that... Because sorry, because I thought originally it was just Holly who was um, being utterly, amazingly perfect in her choice because i mean i think those two are probably the best two choices out of the set for you in terms of like something that you um, would look at and and have affinity with um mm. i was then the thing is i was then tempted to then try and be like oh okay, that's a really good idea because i was thinking about maybe um getting you a Marchessa myself and i'm glad i never did because i didn't know that, that was within the three that he was going to get you and now he now now i know he has thank god that i didn't and double up yeah, for but, yeah sure. there, was, there was very some some duplicity going on behind the scenes um which is yeah. quite fun making quite amusing to be a part of I mean, it was just—it was very sweet. I'm just absolutely blown away. Like, obviously, um, it's nice. A, it's nice to know that someone who uh, is like a friendly face found our podcast. It's very nice to find uh, to know that they found it without necessarily me trying to ram it down like you know social media's throats, like my personal sort of like Facebook or whatever. Because I don't talk about it on personal Facebook because, quite frankly, I don't think my aunts and uncles need to hear about my nerd podcast too often. Um, so it's kind of <laughs> nice that he found it organically. That was kind of a cool twist of fate. And yeah, it's just—it's just really cool to know that not only has he kept the game up but that this is a game which you know years of time can separate people and yet this game can still bring people together and you know remind people of like cool memories that they shared and like the company that we worked for doesn't even really exist anymore like it's changed its event structure entirely and it's moved to a different country so it's yeah it's just it was just really sweet uh really touching and yeah john if you're listening thank you very much mate cheers for that Mm. Yeah, I think it's really nice to see like uh, when you have friends that you will play with um, and then you don't necessarily see them for, for years and then they come back and then they've kind of like they've graduated into their own it's no longer the oh okay like, they're playing like life game cards or whatever they just rack up with a send triplet CDH deck and you're like what, what, what did <laughs> I create here? All right, let's get into it. Let's get into some hypothetical content. So uh, question number one, I'm just going to dive straight into it. Have you prepared answers for these, or have you only just looked at the questions? I no, no, no. I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got, um, I've got my definitive answer, and then I've got some thoughts as to why, I, why, why I came to it. All right, cool. All right, these are the first couple are multiple choice. So here we go. Um, so what multiverse trial system would your fantasy self fare best in? And the options I gave you were uh, the Eldraine Court Trials, the Amonkhet God Trials, the Kaladesh Inventors Fair the Kylum Valor's Reach competition, so Battle Bond, and then the last one, which wasn't on the initial uh, Twitter question all that time ago, was the Dominarian Cabal Pit Fights. So if it was you, and how you would imagine like your fantasy self to be, because I think it would be a little bit lame, and self-esteem issues abound, if, if we were to transport ourselves into Magic the Gathering world, we would just be us. Like, literally just us. Like, we wouldn't have any powers or be part of any, like, guild or anything like that. Um, so if you were to kind of, like, have your honest fantasy self, what would you fare best in? What do you think? Um, so I ended up saying uh, the Valor's Reach um, competition. 
Mostly. Oh my God, really? Right, so this is why. Right, so uh, there's a couple of reasons why. I mean, I think initially when this poll came out, I selected Kaladesh Inventors Fair um, because I liked the idea of um, this uh, expo of where you know you. you the thing is, I'm not. I'm not technologically minded. Like bless my mum, she was a bit of a technophobe and still is. And so I grew up as being a bit of a technophobe and still fumble through basic Excel functions. Um, so if, if that's if that's already difficult for me, I doubt I'm going to be able to, you know, craft ether into some kind of you know like colossus or something. Like, yeah, I don't sure. think I can make any of the things. That, like, as much as I think those probably that appeals to me the most. Um, like I've done a fair bit of like self kind of like fan fiction over the years you know I've, 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 I've got some degree of writing ability and obviously being uh, Fox related I've always thought of myself as if I was to come from anywhere I'd be a Kitsune uh, um, a, a, a Kamigawan like illusion mage so mm. in the same kind of way that Jay's kind of um, kind of convinces people of illusions but it said it kind of turns other people's what they see into something else so it's more like a holodeck for other people like you kind of form a holodeck around other people so saying it so, so with that in mind I thought well okay realistically that doesn't sit into the inventors first side the court trials are probably the least dangerous out of the so out of the non-Kylum trials I don't think the domineering cabal has I don't really want to invest into the cabal at all and I feel like if they're sponsoring that I feel like that's bad that's like when you have like a bad yeah. sponsor for like um for a sport or whatever you're like well I don't, i'm not gonna really support that um the amonkhet god tries i don't think anyone fares well in it because the aim is to die by the end of it you know and yeah. I, as much as i'm still at an age where i still have an idea of like you know mortality and it still kind of freaks me a touch you know a touch um like so i yeah for me i feel like i don't think anyone does well in that even though i do like the idea of um companionship and everything like reading through them again like there is a nice aspect of okay cool you highlight your different skills within the group and then you help each other to get through all of them but obviously by the end of it you still have to kill your best friend in one-on-one combat that's what i thought like so i mean the unsurprisingly so i didn't have the cabal pits fights in the original twitter post that i put out but um the results from that and i won't highlight the results for any of the others but this one really interested me the god trials got 11 percent of the votes which was the least out of all of them but that still means 11 percent of people voted thought yeah i think i'd do quite well in that (laughs) in that suicidal (laughs) quasi-religious uh death fantasy where we all have to like live and die together and then only one may stand i was like that's psychotic that's yeah, psychotic right? like yes yeah. the question was like what would you do best in like yeah fantastic yeah, so for me like the valor's reach i know we already had this i think this was part of our hypothetical of well of who would we choose to be our companion um, and rethinking about it, I still don't necessarily know um, who I would have as a companion. But the fact that you can, it's almost like sparring, you know, like it feels like um, Gladiator a little bit. Like there's no, there's no real threat of death or anything. Um, there's a bit more of a celebratory aspect to it. It doesn't feel like, I mean, don't get me wrong, the Dominarian Commonwealth, it still had an aspect of you go out and you can win and you can get a cool prize like the Morari. I mean, cool, great, amazing prize there. But I mean, the threat of being killed by Phage the Untouchable or someone like that seems like, you know, maybe maybe probably wouldn't do so amazingly well. Also, the Cabal pit fights had an element of, like, 99% of those combatants were, like, slaves and people who didn't necessarily want to be there fighting for the kind of glory of the Cabal. There was a a short number of them that actually did it voluntarily, you know. Yeah, so it was like gladiator, like, um, gladiatory, like, uh, Colosseum fights, isn't it, almost? Like, Mm -hmm. where you might have a chance eventually of coming into glory, but, I mean, as you say, most people are on, on the best conditions there so i mean even within like not knowing what my um my fantasy persona would have um definitively in terms of skills or what my partner would be i feel like the kind of valor's reach seems like the best the best place to kind of flex and and do and do well and i think i say worst case scenario is you don't do very well and you're still alive and well 
I mean, talking about the Eltrain, the Eltrain court trials seem fantastic. But if we look at all of the um, Ayara's, all of Ayara's hopes and dreams for her husband, and how many of them have gone off to do the court trials, and none of them have returned, none of the other ones seem particularly good, apart from the Aventus Fair. And as I say, I don't think I can, I don't think I could solder to a, a joint together properly without some significant training. So I feel like that's just off the off the off the books automatically. So, Would you not pick yeah. me to go and do the Kylum battle bond? You just kept saying you didn't, you wouldn't know who you'd pick. Well, I don't know if we're from the same. Um, what I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, if you if you want to buddy up, with me, absolutely. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't know what your skills are. We might not complement each other. You know, this has to be. It's a measure. Like, right, you have to measure this. Like, we should have thought about this beforehand, buddy. Like, you know, you can't just throw that at me. I kind I of feel like doing. we're uh, we could be like a Virtus the Veiled Gorm the Great style pairing. No. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I like that. Or nice. Zinder Splint and. Um, <laughs> what a <coom. laughs> Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. All right. Oh, is it a baum? A baum, isn't it? A baum. A bomb, sorry, not a kid. Well, no, I kind of feel like the Valor's Reach one, right? I kind of... I think maybe I would do best in that, sort of. But also, I, it's a bit too close to actual esports for me. And I think I'm... I wouldn't be good enough just inherently. Like, there'd always be some dude who'd put in, like, an extra 4,000 hours more than me into training for Valor's Reach and I'd be mm. like, oh, what's the point? It's like League of Legends. There's no way I will ever play League of Legends like in any serious manner because I just know that literally everyone else on the planet who plays League of Legends is going to be better than me just inherently. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like those hyper-competitive esports. Um, I think I would do best in the Eldraine Court Trials if I'm honest with you. Because there's what, more of an adventure aspect to it. It's more explorative. Like You can kind of do it off your own back in your own time. Um, you have a bit of like worldly knowledge about the world around you. So yeah, I, I could see. Yeah, I could see that. That seems like probably the nicest journey to take yeah. out of all of them, Like I think. I also just kind of think I'd be pretty good as a king. <laughs> nice. Yeah, fair you enough. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, think, I, like that. I think, you know, if King Kenrith, you know, he's only king because he did all the trials. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like... Um, also, that's that's an interesting one. Is is the court of Loch Thwain, is their trial to go and find... It's not to marry a Yara, is it? It's just to find... I think it's just is to it find to the, find um, the cauldron? It is to find the cauldron, exactly, yeah. yeah. But well, then how sure. did both Lyndon and Algernus Kenrith do it? Um, because I guess Yara wasn't... Didn't, well, maybe they already had a... Maybe they were already kind of together? I can't. I mean, you you, you read that you read the book, right? And you you probably know the details a bit better than I do. But I can't remember if they were already kind of looking to be together beforehand. Maybe a yard, I mean, there's probably like hundreds of people that go off and do them. Like knights, probably most knights want to go off and do this, right? The court trial system. Um, and also, yeah. I don't know if, if they do go and complete them. Do they automatically usurp Kenrith? Is it like just an automatic like, okay, right, you're no longer king. The next person's done it. Off you go, and they just have to wait around. Also, what happens if Kenrith dies and no one else has done it? Does I think that, well, the questing Linden? beast. I think the questing beast is the one that sends off like the prospects to do all five. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I think most knights only do the one. Mm. I think she only wants to marry the person who finds the cauldron because she wants the eternal eternal life thing, right? So I don't think it's yeah. necessarily she wants them to do all of the courts because sure. I don't think Yara's gone off and done any of them herself anyway. Like she just happens to be um, queen of the black, of the um, black court. So. Um... Yeah, that's an interesting. That's an interesting question. We, we should we should ask. We should, we should find out. Yara, what's your uh, modus of random? What was wrong with Kenrith? <laughs> yeah, I think I think maybe I think actually just thinking back to it, I think you're not necessarily meant to go off and do all of them unless you're chosen by the questing beast. I think that's kind mm. of the thing. You're just meant to focus on one, generally the one where you're born, or where if you want to go and pledge. Somewhere. Yeah, that seems fair because then you find yourself a position 
within your own court then at that point with some notoriety, right? Instead of just being yeah, like, and I, I kind of feel like um, I kind of feel like in the book, God, because it's so long since I actually read it. I think Will Kenrith, the idea was that he always wanted to go off to Vantris, Castle Vantris, and like mm. kind of pledge to be part of that frat. Do you know what I mean? It's a little bit like Pledge Week in like American colleges. <laughs> like, I suppose, yeah, exactly. You, you choose your own variety or whatever. Yeah, exactly. All right. So as you're it like that, that seems way more fun. <laughs> just have like, just have like Freshers Week, and everyone's like, let's go off and do our court trials. And then you know, like at the end of the year, they're all like heads in their books, just like crying at the essay that's due ahead of them. <laughs> mm. I'm just uh, reading the Planeswalkers. Literally right now, I'm reading the Planeswalkers Guide to uh, Eldraine, and uh, I'm just being reminded by a lot of stuff. Like Vantris isn't actually governed by Gadwick the Wizened. It says here, technically, the the people of Vantris are ruled by the magic mirror itself. Oh really? Okay. I knew I knew it had like a a personality, but I didn't I didn't realise it was um ruled by a bit of I guess it's like because it's like a looking mirror, isn't it? I guess it'd be kind of similar yeah. to the Disney version where it has like it can communicate back to you. Um whereas obviously I think um what's her name for um uh, Maleficent obviously had um no that's not Maleficent. Oh what was Snow White's uh, gra- um stepmother called? Goddamn Disney knowledge. It's always Disney knowledge that fails me. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, I've, I had a personality of its own. So I can understand them taking that idea and then expanding it to being, you know, this this grandiose, knowing, all-knowing artifact, which is um, mm. much more interesting. I guess that means that the hen, the Great Henge might have some aspect of personality to itself as well then. I think uh, even, the, even, the cauld- even the cauldron has like a um, kind of almost has a like, choice in how it affects things, I think, right? I think the cauldron's like the sorting hat from Harry Potter. It's got exactly, kind of yeah, a, yeah, it has, yeah, yeah. It has like yeah, got some sort of consciousness, um, which makes sense. Cool. All right, right. Anyway, right. Should we go to the next? Because <laughs> we could probably talk about this for ages. Kyle, yeah, Valor's Reach. Interesting. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, I guess. I think, so, as I say, like, one that appeals to me the most is the Inventor's Fair. I just think if we're talking about which one I would put, like my headcanon character would actually do well. Yeah. I don't think it would do anyone at all. I would love, out of all of that, to go and experience the expo that is the Kalajash Inventor's Fair. I think that'd be unbelievable. Like uh, MCM uh, on crack. Right? Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that'd be really cool. But yeah, I think Valor's Reach seems, seems like the most one you could do well in, especially considering your the downside is basically, okay, you're out, so just go and spectate now and watch everyone yeah. else kind of throw at each other. Also, I kind of want to go to the hot springs that's on the new uh, Simic Battle oh, Bond yeah. land. Yeah, Bond they make Legends. it sound like a lot of fun things happen there, you know, and I'm, 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 I'm yeah. down for that. It has been a while since I've seen people en masse, so, you know, I wouldn't mind a big, like, sauna, <laughs> sauna experience with all the folks. <laughs> so, a sauna experience, yeah. Nice sidestep of the term sauna orgy, which... Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, I sidestepped so many other things I was going to say. I mean, Orgy's probably like the least offensive I think, word. <laughs> I think we spoke about these cards before and the idea that like there's always this kind of apocryphal rumour that the Olympic Village is just rife with like, you know, Earth's mightiest specimens. Yeah, just... well, this is what we talked about. Yeah, like the idea of why aren't they breeding the, the most perfect children, you know? Like, uh, if Urza had got to the, got there, he'd be like, oh, yes, eugenics, beautiful, we can do it. We can create the perfects, the perfect creatures. <laughs> oh, okay. So, right. The Olympic Village is just, is, the Olympics as, as a whole is just a cover for eugenics. Yeah, sure. Yeah, let's go with that. Let's oh, cool. Well, there's all, it's good that some revelation comes out of this podcast. Okay. <laughs> Question two. Uh, I've tweaked this one slightly, just the kind of conceit of it, but the, the question is pretty much the same as when I first posted it. Um, it's the first night out that you're allowed to go out after lockdown. Lockdown 20 by this point, probably. Uh, which show do you go and see, assuming that all of these places can open up? Uh, do you go and see Hoatley's Poetry Slam? Do you go see Blim's Comedy Special? Yisan's Liar Jam? Or Judith's Variety Act? 
Okay, so this is this is diff- this is interesting. I think I I immediately went towards Blim's comedy special, um, and then I remembered the 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 bit where it says that he's 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 likely to murder some audience members if it doesn't go <laughs> perfectly right. So I was like, Judas Friday Act might not necessarily be better, but at least there's probably a little bit more going on. Yeah, I want to go for one of the Rakdos like party kind of aspects. As much as I understand, again, there's the threat of death. I mean, but this is magic multiverse. You can die <laughs> walking out in the street anyway. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, having read a bit of Hartley's Poetry Slam, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I like spoken word events, but I mean, I don't. I mean, usually it's off the back of like like a big battle or something isn't it and as much as i like ixalan i think that the um sun empire probably my least favorite in terms of like cultures i'm not saying that the vampire culture sounds great it just seems like re- it sounds like a, i don't know something i'm more you're, like just, you're just not into the like you know living in the jungle with dinosaurs that's no funny. yeah um, and then yusan's liar jam as much as i like the idea of i mean that's the thing i think maybe music actually yeah and i changed my mind i mean it depends what's in the variety act i do really like the idea of going to a rakdos um show of some kind because obviously it's going to be big it's going to have a massive spectacle to it i love all of the idea of the um, acrobats as much as it does have a little bit of a risque aspect i'm okay with risque um that kind of fits into my into my jam a little bit but also i'm kind of really really missed music going out and um, we've said this to each other many times that we really miss going out and having a little rave um and it's been what feels like forever so yeah like i'm saying i'm, I'm pivoting into yesan's liar jam because i feel like that would be really good fun to have a nice little romp and a boogie I think you'd like have to like animals if you went to Yisan's Lai Jam, wouldn't you? That's that's also fine by me. I'm not going to out myself as a furry, but I mean that's also the sentence I just said. So, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> look, I've got a fox onesie. Okay, there's only so much I can pretend. Um, yeah, so, yeah. you good onesie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sure, I don't know, man. Like Blim's comedy special and Judas Variety Act again. You're right. They're they're Rakdos events where it's just like, oh, you having fun? Cool, spike through your. Yeah, exactly. Like um, <laughs> you don't want a front row seat for those things, do you? You want to be at the back, but then who knows if like the st- if the building isn't going to be set on fire, you know? And I kind of feel like it's one of those things. It's like any of those sort of like experiences in life where you hear that you know everyone gets really hurt doing it, and then inexplicably you end up doing it and you survive, and you just kind of go back again and again and again. Also, mm. like I mean, we kind of already have those things as well. Like I, I kind of feel like. I think I said this before that the Rakdos are kind of like the circus of horrors kind of aesthetic. And we do have mm. those shows um, just obviously not under pain of real death. I don't really know like what Judith does. Is it really ever explained like what she is? I mean, a diva kind of she can mean like, I'm, I'm imagining it more like almost like a drag act. You know how like they have this bit where they kind of, they sing a little bit. They also have a bit of back and forth cattiness. Like the venue I work at, we have um, drag acts to host like our bingo nights and things like that. Mm. And it feels like it'd be kind of like that of where you'd have like, um, like almost like a little, like a game show kind of aspect of where you have like some little Four bits show. of, yeah, exactly. And yeah, yeah, so it has a little bit of various interactive um little shows that are going on with a bit of music a bit of a bit of drama maybe it has like an opening act and then a big finale at the end um i think the word diva makes it feel like it would be extravagant you know um audience interaction kind of thing well her card is is her being carried on stage by a bunch of like muscly rakdos Mm. dudes isn't it so yeah i can imagine it's very flamboyant um, I can imagine, like you know, when people get like the circular saw and they put it towards like their crotch and like sparks fly off, and people are like, oh my god, what's going? I can imagine it being like that kind of a show, like the ones that you oh. get in like um, Amsterdam, of where you're not supposed to tell people where the ping pong ball came from. You know, yeah. But- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a very different tone of this show. It, I know, right? right? Hey, look, I mean, you wanted something more lighthearted. This is where my lighthearted goes. <laughs> this is us letting our guard down and being like, oh yeah, you know, when we go out raving and put ping pong balls up places and. You know- <laughs> 
god, amazing! Um, you know, like yeah. how sometimes people do like podcasts and like people like animate little shorts of it. I want, I want this like last five minutes as an animated short. <laughs> mm. oh, See, originally I put Hawatley's Poetry Slam because, like, I've I was part of the London poetry circuit for a couple of years, and um, before like you know jobs took over and life crushes your creative soul. Um, so. Like, that seems like it'd be my sort of thing, right? Uh, but mm. then you're right. If it was Hoatley's Poetry Slam, it would just be, like, four-hour-long poems about how great the Sun Empire is. Mm. Maybe I think in my head when I wrote the question, it was the it was more like she was hosting, like, a poetry evening. Do you know what I mean? Okay, so you get yeah. Of poets. Um, but, yeah, I think maybe I've come around to Judith's Variety Act, you know? Maybe. Mm. I don't want to sit through Flynn's comedy act and him be really bad and me sit there being like ro- ro- rolling my eyes at him because he's bad and then I get like kicked in the face with a you know brick made Mace of spikes. Or something. Exactly. Yeah, right, yeah. Like, yeah. Mm. I think also Hawatley was like known to be like the first warrior poet in like a while. Like so it's I don't necessarily know if there's like she's got like a, a, a crew or a posse that have all like I think she'd probably be the only one which is the, uh, the difficult yeah. thing with that. Like if it's all one person the thing I like about um open mic nights is that you get a variety of different people kind of going up and having different slants on it um whereas i think if, as you say yeah if it is just four hours of the same quietly i think there's only so far you can go before you know you yeah. really i mean do they have beer like, this is the other thing is out of all of these realistically Rakdos is still going to have like so they've got pubs in in um dominaria you know that kind of thing so you can actually go and have a few drinks and get merry whereas i don't know if the sun empire have discovered you know like even like moonshine or anything i mean i know they're based on the aztecs so they might have like access to like peyote and stuff like that in which case yeah yeah Fuck it, go to the poetry slam with Sapeosi. That sounds like an amazing time. But you know, you've got what other refreshments might be my my follow up question because that might make a lot of difference. Like I'm thinking about your Sansa Jam as you said about involving all the animals, and now I'm just imagining you know, that band Orangina advert where all of the animals get way too sexy. Um, <laughs> as I was like, what are you, know, you talking about? <laughs> do you not remember the Orangina advert? That came out that it was like way too juicy, and there's loads of like giraffes and flamingos doing dancing that they definitely shouldn't. They had to take it off the air because it was a bit too suggestive. I'm looking this up right now, do please. Anyone else out there that hasn't seen this, go and look it up. It is not okay, it is exceptionally sexy. That's yeah, literally, and it would definitely come up. No, it was on the TV, so it's not like you know, breasticles and everything, it's um, just skimpy, skimpy outfits and pole dancing. Which for an Orangina advert doesn't seem very. Nathan, very I'm getting, I'm getting very sexual things on the images search. I don't think I can search any further without being put on some sort of list. <laughs> anyway, I was like, very Orangina ads. Oh, hello, this might be it. Mm. Oh my god, these were actual things. Yeah, it actually went out onto the. Yeah, it was actually um, aired on the TV. Yeah, yeah. Oh no. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I know. I know. I don't know how they managed to get away with it. That's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so I think yeah, it depends on like, um, I think in terms of like what the act would be and what I'd be willing to go and watch and see, I think the variety act sounds like the best idea. In terms of what mm-hmm. I personally would like to go and see now, I think I'd like to go and listen to some music. Plus, he seems like he's jamming out on that lyre pretty damn well. And I can imagine. Yeah, the worldly, the worldly tutor artwork uh, looks pretty good. Yeah, exactly. Like- He's on that as well. Yeah, good. Well, this is this is, we've got we've gone very far in this conversation. Oh. The mystery question kind of brings us back down to earth again. Oh, sure. Um, all right, mystery question. Um, it's very simple. Phyrexia, yes or no? Question mark. <laughs> I like that. Is that is like um is that how they um is that the flyer they put around to everyone when they're going through like the voting process of like oh we've got a campaign coming up. Um, Phyrexia, so yeah. new Phyrexia or old Phyrexia? Um, I think in my head it was new Phyrexia, 
when I wrote this. It is the religion, or, or rather right. the, the belief system, I suppose. Like, if you were on a plane, if you were just, you sat down in your flat or whatever now, and we're in the multiverse, like Earth's in the multiverse, and, like, a portal opens, and a Phyrexian's been through with a bunch of leaflets, going, Phyrexia? Yes or no? Um, yeah, what's, um, your, what's your deal? I feel like... In terms of um, the new Phyrexia, like the Praetors and that kind of thing, I feel like I don't like the orthodoxy idea. Um, I feel like that's kind of one of the things that kind of makes certain groups a little bit too secty and culty. Saying that, if there was a question of do you resist or do you go along with it, I'm not going to lie. I'd probably go along with it as much as I understand. Oh, my God. So the alternative, like, so I know it's going to be a painful process of complication, don't get me wrong, but the painful process of being killed by not being, because they just do it by force anyway. Either you do it yeah. and you commit to it. And also I want a name like fucking Thrax, you know, I want like a name, I want, like, I want, I want a cool Phyrexian name. Um, and I don't, I don't disagree with like, say certain aspects of like, say how Vorinclex is like, you know, survival of the fittest, try and push evolution to its furthest. Like, I can understand why they they do what they do. I do think that obviously the Yorgmorth aspect of it was a bit dodge, but also yeah. I, we don't know what like the original Phyrexia was meant to be because that big, that big dragon planeswalker that was the, the heart of the eighth sphere or the seventh sphere or whatever, when Yorgmorth got ported there by Dyfed uh, back, back, back in the day, we don't know what the original like meaning for Phyrexia was or the functionality of it. I think it was supposed to be a nice efficient machine and obviously Yorgmorth just went there and kind of just blackened it up a little bit. Um, so I think, yeah, if it was a kind of like, if it was like a conquest thing of like either join us or or, or bad stuff's going to happen, I'm like, yeah, sure, advance. Oh. Give, me, give me some cool metal limbs. That sounds like fine. Do you you know, know. This is really bad because I was fully expecting you to go, oh no, are you mental? Phyrexia is obviously like crazy. I'd be part of the resistance because I think I would also get complicated. Yeah, oh, yay, good. Well, I mean, I'm glad that we both took that stance. Yeah, we were. You got, you we got go. to be sensible. Like we haven't, we haven't lived in a generation of oppression where you have to kind of go, oh, there's this big horrible bad thing that you either have to be a rebel against, even though it's a bad thing, or go with it and be part of the problem. So uh, I think if my back was against the wall, I think I'd unfortunately probably cave. And I think, especially if it's the fractions, if we know, if we have the context of the fractions, I think you go, yeah, whatever, whatever, mate. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're fucked anyway, right? I mean, we haven't got Urza or a legacy weapon to kill you. I mean, I know what happened last time. Sure, let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it's, that's so funny. That's so funny. Plus, or just go to Urabrask, you know, like he's still pretty cool and fly. Like, you know, it clearly there's clearly you don't have to go the a whole the, the whole way, you know. You could kind of just half 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 cut it, you know, just go. So yeah, you just you go. would be a red, you'd be part of like the red circle of friends. Yeah, I think red or red or green, I think. Because shoulder. Oh, really? I'm, I'm it, living it up straight... with Elish Norn every day. I thought oh, really? yeah, I get fair. like a Lady Gaga like faceplate <laughs> and like <laughs> So, yes. no, yeah, no, that is the appealing part of it. I don't think I'd go um, Gintaxius because I feel like that part's a bit too sciencey, and I don't even hospitals make me a bit wiggy with the whole needle thing. Um, and I think that children's <laughs> yeah. too much yeah, out of all the Frexins, his one looks like it would hurt the most. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, if you... If, what was uh, Thought Scour? No, thank you. Does it look like no, Fungent Taxi? Probe? No, I'm all right. Thank you very much. Um, the only one I like is the weird grinny-faced guy, the super slick metallic face, and he's got, like, the shark teeth and things. I'm like, even he looks cool. No, thank you. I'm okay with that, with your weird, yeah. like, Borg-like um, appendages. No, I think, yeah, realistically, Black's obviously got a lot of betrayal and shit going on, so even if you do well, some motherfucker's gonna come and try and kill you. So, um, I feel like, yeah, you skirt the tales of Edish Norm because she's likely to conquer everything anyway or you go um, 
the yeah, I think maybe the Vorinclex route because I don't we don't know quite enough about Urubras to to back back him up. Plus, he's always like in the really hot areas, and I don't do well in heat. So <laughs> you know, I feel like yeah, I think oh yeah, it'd be uncomfortable, like, uh, wouldn't it? Yeah, I've, I, you know, New Phyrexia fine, but I don't want to live in the uncomfortable part of New Phyrexia. <laughs> Exactly. Like, real estate is important, you know. You've got to figure out where you're going to go. And I feel like the tangle, the tangle seems like it'd be a decent place to be. I wouldn't mind running being under the law of uh, Glissa uh, and Vorinclex. That seems fine. Do you know there is a there's a high percentage of uh, magic characters that are elf zombies that are associated with the Phyrexians. Have you noticed that? Oh, I suppose you actually got um, what's his name as well. Azuri got uh, complicated, didn't he? You got Azuri, Claw of Progress, cool name. Mm. You got Glissa, the traitor, cool name. And now on card form, we've got uh, Belb, Corrupted Observer. Mm. Um, you know, I just thought it was just kind of interesting. I think it's interesting. Well, I mean, like, this is one of the things I really want to see with uh, Phyrexia going forwards is how they because we because we're from a generation of magic players that's kind of a bit past the typical um, normal Phyrexian invasion um, kind of arc, um, and it's a very different take on it. That was, I say, a bit more sci-fi. And as much as there is definitely sci-fi aspects to New Phyrexia, the um, the Gentaxia side specifically is very you know like um, medical mechanical kind of thing. Um, I would like to see how they take it, how they develop because developing away from Yorgmoth seems like it's not developing as a big bad, and it's more the, the differences between each faction and how they can kind of, you know, have to settle their civil disputes. And, you know, like as much as I do think eventually they'll probably try and conquer other planes, I don't think that's necessarily their, obus, their modus operandum as much as it is to try and take over and have a fulfilled um, image of Phyrexia, you know? So I would like, I'd be interested to see where they take it and how and, how, and, how, and who wins in the end. Um, I do feel like Elishnod's probably going to take it. And as you say, that white porcelain effect is really striking, does look really cool. Mm. Yeah, what's the um, Phyrexian rebirth? What's the artwork where it's the porcelain doll's face that's cracking with the fingers? Uh, Phyrexian unlife, the one that gives unlife. you... Unlife. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Where you get poison counters once you hit zero life. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Okay, that's a bit of a freaky one, but that does still look quite cool. It's a bit doll-like, no, like maybe. It. But I do, yeah. yeah, I think it looks quite cool. Yeah, I like that. I'd rather look like that than some kind of spider freak, like Keskit. Or something, you know. Yeah, no, yeah, no, that's that's the side I don't want. I don't want extra limbs. Just make the limbs that I've got. Like, um, Ictek looks quite cool. You know, the Gollum um, splicer guy. Like, I'm like, yeah, he looks pretty sick. Yeah, he's got a little bit of a cyborg aspect to him. Um, Yeah, I think that'd be fine. I mean, I like how we're both. I like we're both justifying it as well. <laughs> we're just like, yeah, oh, like, you're right. Like, well, what do they do wrong? Bless them. It's not their fault. I also <laughs> sort of think like I always end up in um like video games or like MMORPGs or whatever. I always inevitably end up on the side of the good guys. Like, mm, like I'm, yeah. you know, I'll play like a Jedi in Star Wars stuff, and I'll always be like, oh no, part of the Resistance or whatever. Like I'm always like uh, Republic over Empire in Star Wars and all this kind of thing. Mm. And I just kind of feel like, actually, do you know what? Maybe I would just be better as a Phyrexian. Like, I mean, I would literally be better. <laughs> they would make me better. Whereas I don't yeah. think anyone's going to really say that. Well, exactly. The idea is obviously it is supposed to be better, but it's supposed to be advancement. At the moment, the current Phyrexians, as much as, yeah, they did take over um, Mirrodin, um, they don't have an immediate kind of like, we're going out and conquering everything aspect. So currently, what they'll probably do is that that little flyer will say all well, the cool things they're going to do. And then when they get into power, they won't do any of those things. They'll lie like all politicians do and then go off some nonsense and start, you know, um, multiverse Brexit or whatever. Um, so maybe afterwards we'll regret our decision to go along with them. But I think that they're, uh, I think their campaign would be quite convincing. Yeah. I mean, but the, I mean, hey, look, look at a character like Brudaclad, Telcor Engineer. He's, right. he's effectively a mere. And now he, but like under Phyrexia, they've evolved. They're no longer just these little kind of like helper robot things. Now mm-hmm. they're like 
fully functioning engineers of their own destiny. They look cool as shit. They've got colors mm-hmm. now as opposed to just being colorless. You know, I think, mm-hmm. you know, hey, Phyrexia is not all that bad. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, let's go on to the <laughs> last one. I kind of feel like this last one might um, take up a bit more time as well. Um, so this is one from one of our regular listeners uh, who responded to our call out for suggestions of what they would like us to ask in these hypotheticals. I think when I put that post out, I didn't contextualize what kind of hypotheticals we were doing. Like, you know, like which Orangina advert has the sexiest animal characters. You know, I think <laughs> so they, actually, they actually gave us like a proper question, which, you know, I appreciate. So um, I'll let you dive in. So the question was, effectively, if we were put in charge of the magic uh, story, uh, MTG story, where would we take certain story threads? And some of the suggested story threads were uh, what's going to happen with Emrakul, uh, the Gatewatch, the Kenrith twins, uh, or I, I suppose the Kenriths in general, I suppose, the extended Kenriths, or uh, Luca, the uh, hero-turned-villain planeswalker from Akoria. Um, I asked you to choose one, because with the best will in the world, I think you would have about four hours worth of content for each one of these things, and mm. I don't want to edit that. So I asked you to pick one of them. Um, so yeah, wh- what one did you go for? And, and what would you do with some of these story threads? So this is really tough. Um, basically, it came down to a choice between the, between two. I'd wanted to keep it. Um, I think we still have done enough of the Gatewatch recently. As much as I'd be interested to see the extended Gatewatch, so like, say, um, Teferi. Um, I know Khan's technically not a part of them. Um, but I wouldn't mind seeing them kind of see what they're going off and doing. But I also don't think the focus should be Gatewatch stories. I mean, I know for them specifically, they're going to go off and try and sort out the Phyrexian problem um, that we obviously don't think is a problem. Um, the Kenris, for example, um, I think is uh, interesting again, but that's focusing on two characters that are still budding, um, like multiverse travellers. Um, so I think that it's better to come and see them once they've had a bit more time to kind of do their own thing. Even though I wouldn't mind seeing like a progression of story for like, the next like 10, 15 years of their lives and how they continue as adventurers. Um, I feel like it's a bit typical and basic i feel like you can do that probably better better in better forms for me what i want to look at in magic is kind of metaphysics um and this is why for me things like say davriel came is really interesting because we started talking about entities um and how those start working and for me that idea is really interesting so i kind of had a little bit of a dip between emrakul and luca luca because we had that that voice that spoke to him through the ozolith that we don't necessarily know and that kind of probably presents this idea that we're going to have some league of doom kind of build over the next few years as kind of like group of multi uh, multiverse like villains um Whereas what I think was really interesting about Emrakul is that they kind of expanded her. Because I reread The Promised End um, today um, and it had obviously expands this idea that they're not just monstrosities that come and serve um, a specific function. Like say Ulamog and Kozilek, one destroys, one converts, and then Emrakul mutates and and builds the world into something new. And the reason why she sealed herself away in the moon is because that initial foundation work hadn't been made. Like, you know, the the Industrad didn't have um, Ulamog and Kozilek um, kind of change the plane into a way that she and her um, physiology can can mutate in, a, in an effective fashion. So she sealed herself away in the moon, which automatically, that's already really interesting. That idea that she was able to interact with super, super strong magics in Tamiyo's Forbidden Scrolls is also really interesting because it kind of gives her a personality and an autonomy that we didn't really get too much from the other two titans like we didn't have a this is my conscious decision the fact that if you read through um, the promise end in the story beforehand this idea of everyone slowly adapting to the hive mind of emrakul it would have been really cool to see how that developed to see what the intention was why and how the the blind eternities work and function and kind of see 
the multiverse work outside of these planeswalkers. I know, I know, don't get me wrong, I know magic is a focus of planes through the eyes of planeswalkers because that's who we are. So we see how they interact, and then you also see, you know, your typical one one cats because obviously they're going to wander around the cityscape. But I would love to see some expansion on how the multiverse initially formed, how the the, the creatures within and without planes affect it, why, how and why entities exist and how they interact with um, um, Eldrazi because, and also things like say the Ur Dragon and other entities that exist outside of planes within the Blind Eternities. That's the kind of part that I would like to explore because we've had so much expansion of all these individual planes to give context of what can and can't exist within the multiverse. And even then when we did our, let's look at what other planes we could potentially see in the future through plane chase, they still haven't done any of like the obscure ones, you know, like um, Equilor and things like that. That we're probably going to see more basic typical it's just like any other planet but it has this theme on it because that's much mm. easier to convey as a story and as cards and mechanics but i would love to see an expansion of the metaphysics and the history of the multiverse and how everything works on a you know a fantasy um physical level like um, i want to see them justify the magics and everything because the manner and, underst- and understanding all of that that's really succinct and it makes sense you know using ley lines and they've done a lot of that work recently especially with think someone like nissa to kind of explain how you can build an, another color into your um repertoire into your um identity whereas with emrakul we only just started to get some personality for it and then she did this, an amazing thing of locking herself away and i'd love to see kind of what her intention is what would have happened had we seen the full transition of Ulamog into Cosmic into Emrakul and see how that would have affected the, a, a plane. Because, um, again, the only other thing we've seen is we've seen Ulamog come and basically consume a plane from the outside in. Like, it's as if from, like, from the blind eternities outside. And, you could, and I think it was Sorin and Ugin and everything they saw basically kind of form out of nowhere and consume the whole thing i'd like to see that interaction between like say aldrazi and entities and kind of understand how planes and the multiverse works that way cool excellent that's pretty comprehensive um yeah i don't know i kind of in terms of like i, I want to see all that kind of stuff as well i think it's very important to kind of branch out with your storytelling i mean to be, any storytelling would probably be good at this point i think that's why i enjoyed so much of the the direction they were going in with um, the Zendikar online fiction, because although they did falter to, um, or fall back rather to just talking about the planeswalkers and like it's always Nissa and Jason and Hiri, they did allow to have some of the side story and they did allow some of the main stories to really flesh out the characters that weren't necessarily just the planeswalkers gallivanting around the place and like explore some of the, the deeper issues with the like, individual planes. Um, I. I want to see more of Luca. Like I, I know he was a bit of a problematic character for some people because I think a lot of people took his characterization both in the novel and in some of the the kind of story bits that came with the cards. Although they followed very different tracks, as we've already discussed. Like he was the kind of embodiment of this kind of idea of like a toxic masculinity, um, where mm-hmm. he, you know, just the the pig headedness of him, the the sort of self righteousness through like aggression and action as opposed to empathy um and the idea of like a lot of repressed emotions or emotions that should be worked out but instead come back through like force like throughout the book of um son uh, son of bond you don't ever doubt that luca you know loves the people he loves or cares about his team or loves his city or is devoted to the people of the city and these are all very positive empathetic things it's just when those things are challenged or when he needs to kind of buckle from his own sort of like worldview, he can't do it. And instead of, you know, sitting and listening to what people are telling him and allowing himself to like, uh, 
healthily work through his emotions of loss and all these kinds of things and new and new experience he reacts in an aggressive like totalitarian militaristic way which you know and even more tragically that's he was never not going to do that because he is definitely the product of his environment and his kind of upbringing within the militaristic like society of Dranif. so that whole kind of idea now that he's off Ikoria and he's gallivanting around the multiverse with this, you know, new power of his to control the beasts and the monsters of different planes while still having this completely like, you know, uh, pressure cooker brain and soul, you know, of, of emotions and sort of, you know, loss. I think that's that to me is more interesting than just like, oh, I'm a, a villain with a cape, you know, who's going, ha, 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 I like killing things, I'm a warlord, you know. And also, I kind of feel like, um, because his world his world isn't lost, it's changed. It's not like it was destroyed, like how Nahiri like, thinks essentially that Zendikar's been destroyed and like remade, or like how uh, Innistrad was destroyed and is now being remade. His world was never physically broken, it, its worldview changed and its politics changed with the the kind of acceptors of bonders into Dranith and all that kind of thing. So it's a very different sort of loss for him because it's it's effectively only a loss in his mind. Whereas with a lot of other people's, it's a much more catastrophic, like physical. You know, oh, the world I knew doesn't exist anymore. Like mm. fucking literally. So I think I think for him, it's it's a much more. Um, it's a much more pertinent thing to like the world that we're in now. Like that's that's why a lot of people. That's why politics is so polarizing nowadays. Because mm. you can't. There's no evidence for one way or another. You can't say to someone, "No, I'm right," because that literally isn't like my home country doesn't exist anymore. You know, because that's not how things work anymore. It just doesn't exist in that person's brain and that person's worldview. So I kind of I want to explore Luca more. I think it'd be cool to see him interacting with different planes and different planes walkers. Like I know that's the kind of tired trope, but I sort of think like he's a he's a character and he's a force in magic, which I don't think other characters have really uh found before because it's a much yeah, it just seems a little bit more darker and maybe a little bit more close to home of like real world politics and kind of like societal norms. I don't know. I kind of I do I do want to explore Luca a bit further. I think if I was allowed to sort of like take a storyline somewhere, I would like him to go to a plane and just instantly take over like a city or something and see him kind of devolve into further madness like he's trying to recreate Draneth like in his own image but because he simultaneously likes and uh, or simultaneously hates and controls monsters he can't get away from the fact that he is a bonder like what would that look like you know he's trying to he would try to recreate a city that he's lost in his brain but the only way he can do that is by using the very monsters that have infected his city and his worldview you know um yeah yeah, the development of a villain is really cool. Like, I think it's a shame that we only saw him right at the like the turning point. It's almost like you know how we saw when we got the Obnixilus story, um, and the like. The final line was um, that was the first world to fall, and it was the first of many. And then that's all we kind of that was where that his story finished because obviously we see him then years and years and years later when he's already Obnixilus the fallen, he's already become demonized, he's already stuck on Zendikar. We don't see. Mm. I mean, that is technically a journey into villainy, but he was already a warlord anyway. Whereas with Luca, we see him get influenced by this disjointed voice which is also a very interesting part of that character development anyway and as yes, you say yeah we sort of had... find out who was in the Uzleth. yeah exactly i mean i think a lot of people think it was probably um oko because he's 
um, a trickster and he's obviously a manipulator um, and he's more likely to start this idea of building a, a group together that can influence and change other planes. Um, and I can imagine Luca, for example, going to say Ixalan and then kind of taking over like the Sun Empire. I imagine if he goes over and takes control of like Zakama and Galta and, 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 and you know, big monsters like that, I can understand that being like, a very easy thing for a lot of different planeswalkers who we've already seen to oppress. And we don't really get to see the development of evil as much as we get to see the resolute def- de- definition of good. Like when we have, we see like people like say Gideon getting over their own personal trauma, eventually becoming the leaders of um, of armies and resistances and eventually sacrificing themselves for the greater good. We, do- we see that a lot in magic because it's quite palatable. Whereas I think it's quite interesting to see, as you say, the flaws in characters and see how they develop and how they're exploited and manipulated. And I think ultimately Luca isn't necessarily he, his his development into into like a negative um, personality traits wasn't autonomous. It wasn't his decision. He was almost influenced and pushed. And it's interesting yeah. to see how far that will then and how he can justify it in his own mind and kind of give a bit of an insight into that. I think, yeah, that's a really cool idea. I think we've seen yeah. enough development of good arcs where it'd be nice to see a nice development of a character that is, as you say, very easily, very easily um, um, disagreed with, but you can kind of see and understand the, the faults in his psychology and how and why he makes those decisions and probably mm. just is going to have that, that voice on the shoulder that's going to push him. And it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I think because that's one of the and again, one of the things I really liked about the Zendikar stories lines when it came to Nahiri is that we were effectively following the villain of the piece for most of the story whilst also dipping in with Jason and Nyssa because, you know, a lot of stories just don't really want to just focus on the villain, essentially. But there was always this air with Nahiri. Again, I think it's influenced because she's a fan favourite and people yes, people let her bullshit go way too much, um, <laughs> is that she kind of fills more of a grey anti-hero role where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, we can see what you're saying about what you're doing, so I guess it's just a fireball. And, like, you know, you're not wrong like inverted commas just maybe you're not seeing it from the perspective that yeah you need there's to justification even though emrical can't really be justified there is yeah, yeah, an exactly. aspect of understanding in there yeah yeah exactly. so i think nahiri still fills that role and i think there's still a lot of room for nahiri to come back as uh more of a um a hero in different stories from different perspectives mm. whereas i think luca is just luca is is all in and that's what i really that's why i think a lot of people you know found luca's character to be quite so toxic because Mm. everything about him is cut and dry black and white and the tragedy of it is is that because that's his worldview everything is black and white when the reality of his situation which is very complicated and isn't black and white at all and is you know there's nuance that surrounds him at every corner and needs like he needs to embrace the nuances of his new existence and he can't I think there's room there to do some really quite heavy, quite dark stuff with Luca, which, you know, isn't pantomime villain and it's not anti-hero kind of copping out. It is, Mm. he is a villain, he needs to change, but it's a tragedy because it's not, it's not his fault, but it couldn't be avoided, but he is a villain. So he needs to be treated as one, you know, it's that kind of thing. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation when you think about, like, say, Nahiri, um, Luca, and let's say, for argument's sake, Tybalt are, like, your three demographics. So you've got true pantomime evil, you've got, um, just as, as we've said, like, justified anti-hero, and then you've got um, kind of de- developing villain that's been, you know, pushed by, say power and influence and it's kind of pushed his mindset and it's broken his like you know his his humanistic qualities and they're all red characters this idea that they are all impulsive um like again not rage it's not about anger it's about 
about your drive and about the fact you're willing passion. to commit to a thought exactly and passion isn't necessarily always good and it's funny that a lot of the black characters we've seen recently can kind of skirt the sidelines because they at least understand both sides of it but that selfishness of them is what makes them that nihilistic um egotistical kind of mm. quote-unquote villain like obviously people like obnixilis fulfill that same pantomime role that say tybalt does but there's a slight obviously a difference and it is interesting when you think about those three characters they are all red and a lot of villains these days we're kind of moving away from black because we've been saying this for, for for ages that we're kind of annoyed that black seems to always get like um, the typical cliche villain character and they don't really develop outside of it. Whereas now we're looking at, say, a, a, a varied selection of villain tropes across Red that you can, as you say, develop. And it is specifically because he has that 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 point of view and that was what got pushed when he when he took on all the energy from the Ozolith. That's what broke his mind. It was that, 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 I know, I think this, I feel this. This is what I think and feel and I'm not wrong. And that's mm. actually way more dangerous than someone who measures and goes, yeah, I've considered both things, but I'm going to do what's right for me. Because that can actually be reasoned with, whereas Luca's point of view probably can't be. Yeah, black is self-aware. They just they and also selfishness is such a subjective thing, really. Because selfishness for if I say you're being selfish, you can turn around to me and go, "No, I'm just doing what's right for me." And I'm like, "Yes, because that's selfish." Like, it's, there's there's such a push and pull there. Like someone's selfish act might actually be beneficial to someone else of a third party we don't know Mm -hmm. there's a whole bunch of implications um and it's just it's like it's like selflessness can sometimes be very egotistical like the episode of friends where joey's trying to find a a good deed that isn't selfish or so he's telling phoebe there is no non-selfish good deed and she tries to in the end she tries to think she succeeded and it's like but does that make you feel good she's like yeah i was like well then it's a little bit selfish so i guess the same in the inverse is very true as well yeah, hundred percent. Whereas, yeah, red is all about passion, and uh, sometimes that can lead you down some very, very dark roads. See, we've mm. done it again, mate. We tried to have a silly episode, and now we've gone into like really deep. I was going to say, we, uh, I hope people have stuck through to now, now because we got through some. We we chatted some shit earlier in the episode. We've actually kind of let, settled onto some decent, um, some decent. Um, discourse because it is an interesting thing and especially from a magic story point of view we spent so many years doing the arcs that were your typical fantasy arcs and now we're starting to get a bit of nuance into the stories it's interesting that we've got characters that are fallible that are supposed to be good and then characters that aren't necessarily good but you can find redeeming features in Um, and obviously a diversity across psychology is really important within magic anyway because it creates a nice intelligent engaging story even if you only get it in dribs and drabs if you don't get a full Mm. you don't get like like full like trilogy novels like we did with seeing like say Urza and um like the Urza saga and getting to understand like the bits and pieces of how a grand scheming um protagonist is always going to have some negative effects because his his um decisions are always going to affect someone negatively we don't get that now we still get little bits of diversity in the characters that we're giving and how we're supposed to understand them like the conquistadors for the vampires for example is it necessarily bad to go through conquest because that's exactly how the world that we live in developed you know like is that necessarily a bad thing yes of course it is but then you can start to understand the bits and pieces that make it good like pirates throughout history aren't these let's go and drink some rum and have a good time kind of thing like they're they're, they're like plundering and pillaging is, is not a good yeah. thing, but that comes across fine. And it's interesting now that we actually get a little bit of nuance with characters like Luca, where they can see someone when they're, where their um, understanding of the world is pushed when they no longer, it's no longer a single world they have to understand and relate to. It's now an entire multiverse that they now have influence to and will be influenced by. Mm. 100%. Oh, blimey. Well, 
I think we're going to stop it there before we get even yeah. more serious than we already did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. I love it. This game is just so good, isn't it? It's just yeah, no, it's crazy that obviously just a little like two, two, uh, two, two creatures attacking each other can create conversations like this. <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, yeah, it's very good. Very cool. I mean, it's nice to also see they do give us like some diversity. As I say, like, um, it, I think that's some of the thing that Magic players are now kind of a lot of people are getting to an age of where they can take stories that aren't just simple. You know, like I think people didn't like the Gatewatch specifically because it was your typical paint by numbers Avengers kind of thing, especially mm. when we were inundated with a very cool multiverse that was being built in the Marvel franchise anyway. I feel like it did feel like Magic was kind of cheating a little bit and riding the coattails of it. Whereas um, now we can kind of fledge, fledge and spread. Um, so yeah, I'm interested 100%. to see if they do. And I think they will. I think very much like Look of was set up to be something that's going on in the future they don't just drop a random voice in his head that we don't get an explanation of i mean they might do actually i'm just talking and i'm thinking that's exactly what wizards could do that's exactly <laughs> what going, they would do yeah that's exactly what they do but i mean hopefully they don't um, who the fuck is, is the fucking raven man nathan don't 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 that's really annoying mate um, they, they capped off they capped off the chain veil storyline in like a paragraph and a book no one fucking read like, yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Niv's just got it sat in a room somewhere. No worries. Yes, uh, All right, look. Yeah. Guys, if you are listening and you have uh, any answers to some of the hypotheticals that we've uh, spoken about today, uh, then honestly, you're about several months late because all of these questions were on our Twitter, posted out weeks and weeks and weeks ago. So where were you then? Um, I need to stop having a go at people. Yeah, every time, every time. Every time. <laughs> I, I love you guys, okay? I mean, Andy might, might, Andy <laughs> might be trying to beat you over the head with a stick, but I'm, I'm here with a carrot having a little nibble with you. Don't worry. If you want to post any hypothetical questions, guys, or if you do want to have any of the answers that are to some of the questions that you heard from the show today, you can find our Twitter at mtflavoring. Uh, emails go to mtflavoring at gmail.com. My personal Twitter is at Andy Manface. Nathan's, yours is? At the Fox in the Moon. We have a YouTube channel uh, where we do do videos uh, of like little lore bits, cracker packs, um, interview episodes. We recently reposted our interview with uh, Kithulu Cards, the 3D card alterist extraordinaire, uh, where we did the video version of the interview that we did with him a few weeks ago, where we included not just uh, still images, but also video footage, very kindly taken by Cthulhu to show off some of their great 3D card altering work. So please go and check that out, show it all the love. It's a fantastic interview with a very, very talented uh, alterist, so you should check it out. Uh, other than that, guys, all that remains for me to say is thank you so much for listening. This has been Magic the Flavoring. We'll see you soon.